hidden from others and hidden from you. Lord, you bring them out of the open that we may be free. Father, we thank you for liberty in this house. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys, this morning. God bless. you take your Bibles with me if we will and go to Haggai. As you're turning there, I want to thank Andrea for being obedient this morning. I want to thank those that were brave enough to step out and understand this. The enemy is a liar. He's a father of lies. He wants to bring nothing but pain and shame and destruction to our life. But the Lord wants to bring us liberty. He wants to bring us freedom. You know, I have discovered as the Lord, I, I used to make a statement, and I held it to be true, and there's a measure of it that's true. But it's not the, all the truth. I used to make this statement that the devil can't deal with a made-up mind, and, and there's parts of that that I believe. But the Lord has corrected that statement in me and this is what I want to clarify and just rectify that statement by this. The devil cannot deal with a surrendered heart. If you surrender your heart to the Lord, you surrender your pain, you surrender your shame, you surrender your past, your present, your future, then the enemy has no hold on you because you're not fighting against God anymore. You have surrendered yourself to the Lord. And the enemy does not know how to deal with someone who has surrendered their heart to God. So let me encourage you to continue to surrender everything to the Lord. Or surrender all of the shame and all of the pain and everything that the enemy would try to put on you today. Now this morning I want to I return to a, to a passage here. We paused last week. For Veterans Day, I want to say thank you once again to all of those who served. I want to thank uh, uh, those who uh, served to protect our freedoms. I want to thank those in this house today that, that helped to bring that celebration and that honor uh, last week. And I especially want to thank uh, Randall Mitchell for, for the leading us in that service. Amen. But we've been talking about the master builder, and a couple of weeks ago, the Lord laid on my heart and said, it is time. It is time to build my house. Went to Haggai, and we began to look at the first chapter of Haggai. There's only two chapters, but as you look at Haggai, and as we have been talking about, uh, using as, as our theme of late, uh, Psalms 127 and 1, unless the Lord build the house, we are laboring in vain that build it. Lest the Lord watch the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. But what we see in the times that we are at, it is, it's time to build the house of God. 
it is time to build the house of God. It's, it's time to prepare our hearts and let all of the light of God's grace and goodness and mercy shine in us that it may shine through us. Amen? So as we look here, he said, what kind of house would the Lord build? He would build a house of prayer. He would build a house of presence. And he would build a house of power. We are called to be the temple, the housing, the, 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 the place in which God inhabits. But in Haggai, we see that what had happened is Israel, Israel, uh, or I should say Judah, returned from captivity. And in the returning of captivity, they went with high excitement and anticipation to build and rebuild the house of God, the house of worship, the place that Jehovah would abide, the place where they could commune with the Lord. They got over there and they, lay, they restored the altar and they laid the foundation to the house. Then all of a sudden, opposition came in. Opposition, a resistance to the building of God's house. And because of that physical opposition, the house of the Lord laid in waste for 18 years. The unfortunate reality is that the people, the remnant that had returned to reestablish worship, Jehovah worship, the ones that were called out of bondage, to go back and to build the house, they are now living in a land where because of the opposition, they no longer built and continued the, the, the building of the temple of God until the spirit of prophecy began to pour out. Until the word of the Lord came and the Lord says through the mouth of the prophet, you say it's not time, but the Lord is saying to you and I, though there may be opposition in our land today, it is time to build the house. It is time to build the holy habitation of the Lord. Now, before we get into our text, I just want to look here because when the Lord uses this, this phrase, he said, I want you to consider your ways. Judah, I want you to consider your ways. Crossroads, I want you to consider your ways. Church, I want you to consider your ways. I want you to stop just a minute. No, that word ways there, it means literally the journey you're on, the path that you were taking. It means the destination that you're shooting for. It means, uh, as, as you look at that, it means uh, the direction that you're headed. The Lord said, I want you to stop a minute and I want you to consider the direction you're on. I want you to consider the journey that you're taking. And there in Haggai uh, 1 and 6, he said, I want you to consider your ways. He said, you have so much and you harvest little. In other words, you work hard, but there's little results. You eat, but you're not satisfied. There's a, you, you try to satisfy yourself with, a, with a, this natural body, and you're not, your hunger is not being, you're not being fulfilled said, you drink, but you, you don't have enough drink. In other words, there's a, there's a thirst that you can't quench by just building your house and not building the house of the Lord. He said, you go out to put clothes on to stay warm, but those coverings are not protecting you anymore. He said, you earn wages, and you put those wages into bags with holes. 
wages just begin to disappear. For what reason? For not building the house. For taking care of my house, but not the house of God. He goes on, and I want you to notice something there in Haggai 1, verses 10 and 11. It says, therefore, once again, he says to consider your ways. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld their due, and the earth has withheld its crops. So in other words, earth is subject to heaven. Earth is subject to heaven. If there's no rainfall, if there's no sunshine, then there's no crops that will ever produce on earth. We understand spiritually the significance that we're looking at, or at least I hope we are, is that, folks, the prosperity, if I could use that word, that it's been defiled so much, but I'm using it as an overarching prosperity, meaning every area of our life and how that the Lord would prosper us, that prosperity is subject to heaven. It's subject, in other words, where you're at right now and you're thinking in your mind, if I could get a few more hours in the day at work, that I would have enough increase in order to accomplish what I need to accomplish. But when you get those extra overtime hours, you are more fatigued than you were before and you have more month than means. Why? We see here in the word of the Lord, He says, I have called for a drought. Wasn't the devil? It was the Lord. Israel went into Assyrian bondage. They were separated and scattered and never to return. But here is the remnant Judah. And Judah has returned from Babylonian captivity. And they have come to the land for the sole purpose of rebuilding the house of God. Now we see that there was a drought that the Lord had called because they had forsaken the building of God's house. A drought on the land, that's the entirety of the earth. A drought on the mountains. Has there been a drought on the glory of God in the house of God? Drought on the grain, on the harvest, folks. The drought on the new wine, that would refer to the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. A drought on the oil, That's on healing. A drought on what the ground brings forth. That would be increase. A drought on men and livestock, on the labor of your hands. In other words, every human effort, the Lord had called forth a drought. That sounds rather bleak, doesn't it? Do we not live in a world that's rather bleak? But we see that as the voice of prophecy went forth, As the guild of the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, as they begin to prophesy to Zerubbabel, Joshua, as they begin to prophesy to them, the Lord stirred their spirit, stirred the spirit of the remnant. And God, through the power of the Lord and through the initiative of the Holy Spirit, through what God wanted, the people stepped out and they began to build the house of God. Now consider your ways. 
The Lord's saying, I have withheld all of those things from you because you have not done what you were supposed to do, and that is build a place where you and I may commune. In other words, prepare your heart to receive and to walk and to live in the presence of the Lord, that you put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things that you worry about will be added to you. So if the Lord has withheld the glory, the healing, the refreshing, the harvest, because we refused to allow room for the Spirit of God to dwell in us, then how much more is the Lord willing to bring the glory back to the house, to bring healing back to the house, to bring the anointing back to the house, to bring the power of the Spirit back to the house? How much more if you and I will hear His voice and obey a building place for the Lord now as we look at that I want to look at if time permit if it doesn't we'll jump back on this next week there are three commands and three promises that we want to look at in Habakkuk the second chapter they begin to build the house of the Lord once you look in Haggai I say Habakkuk it's Haggai the second chapter, I want to begin reading in the, in the first verse. It says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sethiel, governor of Judah, and speak to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you? Who saw the house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes as nothing in comparison? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop right there. Three commands that the Lord gives the remnant of Judah is the very commands that God is giving you and I today. Be strong, work, and do not fear. Be strong, Work and do not fear. We're building the house of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that we're going to put first things first, which is the Lord Jesus and him and his purpose and his plan. How are we going to start each day? We're going to start each day by saying, Lord, what do you want from me today? Lord, I want to enter into your gates with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise. Lord, I want to worship you, Lord God. Why do we worship on Sunday? Because it's the first day of the week. We're giving God the first of our day. We're magnifying the Lord and we're worshiping him. What are we after? We're after every person living in darkness. We're after every individual that is out there that is without the saving knowledge of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. What are we after? We're after the glory of God falling upon the house of God, bringing peace to all nations. What are we after? We're after the Lord God Almighty reaching those driving on the interstate, grabbing their heart and pulling them into this house, walking in here sinners and leaving saints. What are we after? We're after the presence and the power and the word of God to combat and combat every measure of lie and false narrative of the enemy so that we can understand that God is for us. And if God be for us, then who and what can be against us? What are we after? We're after what I would call and surmise it in one single word, and that is revival. We are looking for the spirit of the living God to transform lives so that when people come to this altar, that they are truly altered by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, what are we after? We're after the king sitting upon his throne. What are we after? We're after your children and your children's children to come out of lesbianism, homosexuality, self-destructive behavior, and pornography. Come out of bitterness and backbiting. We're looking for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to arise in the glory that God has intended for her to live in. Mm. Maybe that wasn't as anointed as it felt. (laughs) Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Work. And do not fear. Now, do you recall what stopped the work as we talked about a couple of weeks ago? How we found in Ezra? Opposition had arisen, discouraged the people that were working. Has anybody been discouraged of late? You don't have to raise your hand. That word discouraged can be also translated demoralized. Have our nation been demoralized of late? As we look here and we see this, we see that they were terrified. Fear began to grip the heart of Judah. Judah means praise. Instead of coming in and lifting up holy hands to a holy God, we we come in and in our heart is so gripped with fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of disease, fear of retaliation of the enemy, fear of of being found out, fear of failure, fear of, 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 I don't know, there's fear's got a whole string of children following behind. Fear breeds like rabbits. You get one one day and you'll have 27 the next. That's the way fear works. It infiltrates and infests in every area of our life. And, and, and here the, the children of God were, they were, they were demoralized, they were terrified, and all, they hired counselors to frustrate the work. But the Lord gives a command. He said, I want you to be strong. I want you to work. And I want you to not fear. Now, the Lord never gives a demand without a plan. God never gives a command without accompanying that command with his power. So when he tells you to be strong, what he's saying is, I'm going to reinforce that with my strength. In fact, he told, he told Paul, the apostle Paul, he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
said that as Paul began to seek him because of infirmity in his body, he sought after the Lord, and the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so when the Lord says to be strong, he's not telling you to be strong in yourself. He's telling you to be strong in him. He's telling you to take confidence in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Now don't go out thinking that you're going to be 10 foot tall and bulletproof without the Spirit of God living inside of you. But let me tell you, when God Almighty lives inside of you and you come to the understanding that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, it doesn't matter the opposition of the enemy. What matters is the revelation of who Christ is and what Christ has done and who he is on the inside of you. But I see in the word of God, and this is where we take courage. We are strong in the Lord. We work for the Lord and we do not fear because of what the Lord spoke to us in these verses. Because I am with you. I'm with you. Don't rely upon your strength. Rely upon the strength that lives in you. It is, he is the Holy Spirit. It is the Lord Jesus that inhabits the heart. And when we understand this principle, we don't lean upon our strength. We don't say, look how strong and mighty I am. We say, look how strong and mighty he is. Look at the greatness of the God that we serve. And when sickness and disease, despair and self-hatred come our way, we know it's going to kick our tail, eat our lunch, and take our lunch money for the week. There's no doubt in my mind without Christ, I am and can do nothing. I understand this with all sincerity. Without Jesus Christ, I'm doomed to damnation and failure. It's a reality. I'm really not that important. I'm a speck of sand on the shores of life. But when you take Christ and you put him inside an empty vessel, he becomes everything that you need to be and that you should be because without him we are nothing, but we are complete in Christ because in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I'm saying, church, don't keep stressing over where you're at and what's going on around you. What you need to do is not try to become stronger, but become weaker in yourself so that you can understand that your strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Lord, don't make us stronger. Make us weaker. Weakness is our friend because when we're weak, we don't have the ability to accomplish what we need to accomplish we got to trust in the Lord. we got to hold his hand and say, God, see, the Lord's with us. And when we get this revelation, it'll change our position. It'll change how we function. It'll change how we behave. The Lord is saying to you that because you're building my house, I'm with you. Because you're building my house, I'm going to work with you. He's not telling you go out and do the work all on your own. In fact, I don't know about you, but I would rather work smarter, not harder. 
The older I get, the less I do, the less I want to do. Come on. You remember when you were young, you would go out and you'd have to move something outside? You wanted to show how manly you were. You'd pick it up. I'll get back. I'll take care of this. You get a little older and you're like, hey, could you come help me with this? And then you get to the place, you're like, that's sure enough going to cause back pain. Could you two go pick that up? But what we see here is there's a work. God says, I want you to be strong. Young people, don't be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Old people, how am I know if I'm an old person? You're older than me. Those that are older than me are old. Those that are younger than me that are young. I guess I just said I'm at the perfect age. But anyway, <laughs> same's true for you. If you 103-year-olds can find somebody older, then you're the... Anyway, let's go on. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and work. Now, I love the passage of Scripture when they came to Jesus and they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus turned to him and said this, and I want you to hear this. It's in John 6 and 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Some of you say, what is the work of God? Jesus defined, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he sent. That you believe in Jesus in whom the Father has sent. Why is that important? Because if I don't believe that Jesus Christ took care of my pain, my shame, my sin, my regret, my self-hatred, my, 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 all the things that, that the enemy wanted to shape me with and mold me with, if, if I don't believe in the completed work of the sacrifice of Christ, then I'm going to try to mend my own wounds. I'm going to try to overcompensate for areas where I'm lacking. I'm going to try to work to be good enough in order to get into the grace of God. I'm going to try to work in order to be accepted of the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh folks, we have misguided by the power of darkness, have misguided nations and generations. And I believe folks that in these last days, God is going to reveal himself like no other time in history. He's going to show the light of who he really is in the sacrifice of Christ. And he's going to illuminate the completed work of God so that we no longer try to work in order to gain his favor and acceptance. Oh, but when revelation comes, then we understand, wait a minute, I am accepted in the beloved. I don't have to work anymore for it. I'm just going to walk in it. I don't have to work to be free. I am free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the work to believe, to believe. What Jesus did was what I could not do. To believe is to know. 
that there is no social standing. There is no economic increase. There is nothing that I can do to merit any measure of worth outside of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing to be nothing so that Christ can be everything. It's a wonderful thing to know that you can't earn preachers the right to preach. What you trust in is the faithfulness of God to show up and to say what he wants to say. You, you, don't, uh, you don't have to be a person who has all the exceptional abilities that brings the praises of men in order to be effective. All you've got to do is make yourself available and say, God, I surrender my heart to you. And I just believe, Lord, what you did was far more than enough to take care of me, take care of my family, take care of my children, my children's children. Lord God, I just trust you to take care of it all. This is the work, church. It's the work, and it's the only work that will accomplish the advancement of the kingdom of God. Is when we elevate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he has done above every other notion that we may have in our heart that brings us any measure of acceptance. It's what he has done. See, we can't get glory in him glory too. We, we can't say, look at us, look at our denomination, look at our, 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 our doctrine, look at our, our, our theories on things, and, and look how we're elevated. Look how, we're, look how we are propped up. Oh, no, no. What we say is look to Jesus Christ and him alone. Elevate him. And the Bible says when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And I understand what the Lord is saying is that when Jesus was saying is when he ascends to the Father is the, is the lifting up from the earth. But that principle is still there. If we will lift up Jesus Christ, if we will lift up the cross, if we will lift up the sacrifice, then the power of God, the might of God. Oh, wait a minute. I was looking for an increase over here. Wait a minute. I got my eyes off of what I needed over here and I'm just focused on you and now God just starts filling up your wagon with all of his abundance oh you're preaching prosperity let me tell you children of God you are to be prosperous if you're living in the house of the Lord because it's instruments that God gives you in order to further his kingdom but it's not what we're after what we are after is the presence of God so that these young people may come to know who Jesus Christ truly is so that these old people may know who Jesus Christ truly is so that the Lord Jesus Christ may reveal himself in this world in which we are living. The work of God is to believe in Jesus Christ. Do not fear. Three commands God has given us and if you're nervous to whether or not I'm going to get to the three promises, it's not going to happen today. I didn't even read the text. Be strong because I'm with you. Work because I'm with you. Do not fear because my spirit remains with you. Do not fear. One of my favorite passages of scripture, Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear not for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed. I love the other translation. Be not, do not anxiously look about. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, for I am with you. Don't anxiously look about, for I am your God. See, there's a lot of fear in the world today. There's a lot of fear in this room today. Some of you are afraid I'm going to walk back there and eat you. I know because I used to sit under a pastor and I thought every service he was going to eat me. I thought he was going to start down that, down that row and he was going to gobble me up and spit me out. He got close one day, Gray. That fear went from here to up here. I said, this is it. This is the day he eats me. If you're feeling that way, don't worry. You're not my taste. <laughs> I'm thinking about another low-carb situation here. You may fit into that. But anyway, need I digress? So let's go move on. But let me say today, if the fear we're feeling is because we are holding on to something, holding on to something see if you're struggling today as a child of God it's because you're holding on to something that you either need to let go of or you need the revelation of the spirit of God to help you to let go of but that fear is not the will of God It wasn't that the opposition went away. It's just they kept building in spite of it. They just kept building the house of God. And all of a sudden, the command of the Lord that came by, by the voice of the prophet didn't make us... The, the, the opposition's voice wasn't as loud as the voice that the Lord was speaking to them. If you today to overcome in that area of fear. I'm going to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you to prioritize. Prioritize your life. 2020 has been a focus, has it not? We thought 2020, man, it's going to be great. This is 2020. What better thing but to focus the vision of the Lord <laughs> We had no idea God was going to take and shake everything around us. And all of a sudden, we had to get clarity in the midst of the shaking to what's really, truly important. And what's really, truly important is lives being transformed into the image of Christ. And those lives stepping out of this building and going and now influencing others to see that light, to receive that light, so that they may come out of darkness and walk in the marvelous life that God has given them. Today, 
you have been hamstrung, you have been hindered. The enemy has tried to take you out, cut you down. He started when you were a child and he has worked diligently and feverishly to stop you from believing in the full measure of God's grace and sacrifice and stop you being a worker in the kingdom of God through fear. And I believe today is someone's day of liberation that you're going free from this fear that has plagued you. That you're going to come down and you're going to have a willing heart of surrender to say, God, I'm going to surrender it to you. And through whatever means that you, whatever power you give me, I'm going to let it go. But I'm also going to believe that your power will come upon me. And now I will be free from this fear that has plagued my life and it has dictated my actions. I no longer want to be a slave to fear. I want to be a slave slave to the risen Savior. I want to surrender to you. Now, if this is for you, I'm not going to beg you down here. I'm not going to plead anymore. If you know that you know and you say, I want to go free, I'm going to prioritize my life. I'm going to go after God with all of my heart, but I'm going to start here with this fear. I want to be free. I want to be free. Stand to your feet. If this message is for you, get out of your seat. Get to this altar. Raise your hand. You can kneel, whatever you feel you need to do. But you are going to leave here different than what you came. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your standing in this church. You have been battling fear, and you're saying, today I'm going free. Today I'm going free. I am going free by the power of God because I'm surrendering. I'm letting it go. Come on, come on, come on right now. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. Come on right now, this hour, this moment, Father, in the name of Jesus, give some strength and courage in this house. The Lord God, some of you are saying, oh, I can't come against fear. It's going to attack me even more. No. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going to happen. Freedom in this house. Freedom in this house. Freedom in this house. Right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of the Lord God. 